Hi, I'm Talia. And I'm Joshua. And welcome to our podcast, The Uncommon Senses, where we reflect on the nature of knowledge and how we know what we claim to know. So, hi everyone. So today it, we have a special episode where we continue our discussion on the theory of idealism, since it's such a fascinating and mind-boggling theory. And we will talk it mainly through about a short story called Go- "The Ghosts." And so we won't do that rhetorical question opening today, and we will just have some further discussions on our belief systems. So let's just get right in. First, we will start with several literature examples, um, which questions about our common sense and argue that reality is constituted and made entirely by our minds, and the reality is basically just a mental construction. First one, we will bring out a pretty famous example, The Matrix, and I'm sure like many of us possibly know this, but I only watched the first movie. So essentially, it presents the world as a lie, and that us humans are actually some energy sources to some advanced machines, and yet we kind of experience normal human lives, and our as our brain is being hooked to a simulated world. And this movie is a perfect illustration of idealism, which is a theory of reality that basically says that everything is an idea. I actually think the Matrix. I, I I don't know if so, like the producers or the directors they were philosophy students so that's great and yeah basically it states that everything is only in our minds and for the things that we think are for sure real such as you know feeling pain and we're eating food we feel you know full we feel hunger or we are being able to see something etc. That all of these feelings are just some simulation. It's kind of like a chemical signal sent to our brain, which gives us the illusion that we're feeling pain, or our taste buds actually taste us something. So this is a fun illustration, like a sci-fi illustration of idealism. However, like what we previously mentioned in the last episode, the advantages and disadvantages of idealism, it can go very extreme, and there's definitely some real-life situations that happened which has gone wrong. So yeah, Joshua, do you want to kind of like give us some examples on that? Sure.、Um, so one one of the examples that、um, of、uh, idealism going wrong is a、uh, is religious cults basically. Um, um, one of the very infamous example is Heaven's Gate, which is a um, um religious group、uh, that believes in. Uh, that believes that humans could transcend into immortal beings by rejecting their human bodies, and this has actually led to、uh, a lot, several mass、um, suicides in the 1970s and 1980s. And it just comes to show how、um, one's jeopardy and well-being could be placed in jeopardy if、um, we over-rely on、um, idealism and the idea that everything is in our minds, and. Another example is the People's Temple Agricultural Project, which is a, also a similar、um, religious cult known for a, a very infamous case called Jonestown, in which、um, a lot of people、uh, also involves mass suicide as well as、um, 
several cases of murder of which people have been poisoned uh, or forcefully uh, or forced to kill themselves because of a certain belief um, within their religion and on one hand, um, this this could show like the kind of uh, potential harm and idealism of which, if um, your personal beliefs consume you, it could lead to a morally ambiguous or or outcomes that directly harms your um, self interest and well being. On the other hand, um, I don't know who are we to judge. Like, <laughs> perhaps they are correct. But perhaps like their religion does hold sway, and that you know um, we have no rights in judging their ideas of what a reality is and how they choose to um, react to um, their own version of reality. Yeah, right. I mean, the, the thing about idealism is that it gives you so much freedom to kind of like have explore your own reality, your own thoughts and your own ideas. And for sure, like those two very extreme cases is an example of when it went to the very extreme. And yeah, like what you mentioned, we will definitely later parts discuss about where do we draw that line, you know, between, you know, this, this, this is their way of, you know, living, this is what they believed is right, versus our moral standards. Um, yeah, like how do we judge between that? I think we would, it's interesting and it's definitely can be controversial and definitely up to the other debate. So we will talk about this in later parts. But I mean, aside from the Matrix um, and our TOK lessons, we actually looked through a short story called The Ghost. I think it's actually in the TOK philosophy syllabus. Uh, no, not TOK philosophy, but it's in the IB philosophy syllabus. Not sure, but yeah, it's a short story um, called The Ghost and it's an extract from Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance by Robert M. Persick. Uh, yeah, it's basically, I guess it's a short story collection. And um, maybe I should give you guys this like kind of short story summary. So basically, it depicts like a group of people at a camp. And they first were like kind of talking about ghost stories. And, you know, just like what most of our common senses tell us. The speaker of the story initially says like he doesn't believe in ghosts because it's unscientific. Because there's no proof. And ghost also doesn't contain any matter and no energy. So according to natural sciences that we know, you know, if something that doesn't contain matter and don't, also don't carry any energy, then they don't exist. And they're only in people's minds. They're only something that you think of and you're made, made them up. Um, however, the conversation kind of just starts to become weirder slash more interesting from there, where the speaker actually suggests that you know, these natural science, these scientific laws which we believe in are also just like ghosts. That these laws, they have no matter, they have no energy. And they only hold because we just believe in them. And, you know, because like all of the things that we kind of believe in, they don't really exist by the definition of what existence is, of having matter and having energy. And... In like the main uh, speaker also in the story also says that you know these math laws, logic laws, gravitational laws, etc., are not discovered but are actually invented by us. And I mean this is definitely it can be you know a whole new episode, a whole new debate on is math discovered or is math invented. But yeah, basically this person says like these laws that we kind of discover about them are kind of invented by us. And the speaker also raised the question that 
before the law of gravity has been discovered, is that law just sitting there somewhere, with no mass and no energy on its own, not in anyone's minds, and has that law still existed? Because by the common sense definition of existence, this law doesn't even exist, not until it has been so-called, you know, discovered. So it, it can't just be there somewhere, and then suddenly it came into people's minds. So he's just saying that this is just before Newton thought about this. This law has never existed, and hence he believes that by arguing in the theory of idealism, the law is basically invented in people's minds. So yeah, like what we previously mentioned quite a lot in the episodes, like that thought experiment. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? So basically. Applying this thought experiment to our case is that if the law has existed since the very beginning, but no one knows it, then does this law actually exist? Because by arguing scientific realism and common sense realism, which we argue in terms of um, this rational thought where you know the reality is independent of the observer, then yes, this law has existed. But we think about this in the theory of idealism, where reality is. Completely dependent on what we observe, also with you know phenomenalism, then this law has never existed. So, basically, this is just kind of what this whole story is about. And of course, the main story, the main moral of the story, isn't really telling us to not believe in science, but the story is kind of like an illustration of the theory of idealism. And perhaps also telling us to keep an open mind to other ideas and theories that are equally valid, because the story kind of states that you know to a lot of indigenous people these ghosts they are just as real as you know atoms, and you know all these science theories to to us. So, from this whole story, I think there are several points that we can possibly discuss, and you know the first one is、uh, basically the speaker points out. That many scientists say that ghosts only exist in your minds and they aren't real. However, science is also only in our minds too, and it's just a system that we choose to believe in. So why does science has to be put in a separate category that holds more sway and more power and are considered more trusted and reliable? So yeah, Joshua, like, what do you think about this speaker's idea? What do you think about his thought that you know science is just in our minds? And you know, it's by the theory of idealism is kind of like invented. What do you think about this? Yes, I think、um, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, I think、um, what he says is definitely very valid because、um, as we've looked、uh, as we've seen before, scientific realism is rooted in empirical evidence, and as we've gone through before, empirical evidence is not always.、Um, Rock solid. They there is、um, limitations and there is、um, its own fa- fallibility to it. So,、um, because scientific realism is ultimately based on something that is so fickle or volatile,、um, I think it would be、um, correct to say that、um, it is science to a certain extent is、um, really dependent on external conditions as well as. Dependent on how we interpret it and our own process of rationalizing this, so I would say that scientific realism is kind of a mesh between phenomenalism、mm. as well as、um, 
com common sense uh, realism of which it uses evidence from both in trying to create a generalized view of the world. And because the, these two different types of um, reality is ultimately has their has have their own um, disadvantages and their own limitations. So um, I would say that um, although scientific realism is responsible for a lot of, as you've mentioned, um, marvelous and amazing discoveries that we have made as uh, as humanity, but it is um, ultimately not a all encompassing and not a perfect form of reality mm. in the sense that it does have its own shortcoming and we ought to be really careful when trying to um, maneuver scientific reality as a form of realism because it's very easy to really tr put to um put too much trust in it or perhaps um form your entire perception of reality around it uh, despite it having its own limitations and i think to really be able to um have a accurate grasp of what reality is, we must acknowledge these limitations and not be blind to these shortcomings in order to really form a um, comprehensive or holistic idea of what constitutes as a, real a reliable form of reality. Yeah, like I absolutely agree with you, especially like we keep talking about how science is actually not that rigid, but it's volatile as we progress and as we discover more things because like if you think about it like before like our modern society kind of generally believed in natural sciences we used to have like all of these myths and you know kind of stories which is what we regard as now or even like religious institutions that kind of had explain how this world works so like these so-called not so reliable belief systems which we describe now will hold just as much power as science that we have today like back in you know a few a few centuries ago so like you know who knows <laughs> maybe in the future we all worship this civilization that created our simulated world and you know discovered more of their science laws um yeah like by the simulation hypothesis which you can definitely research it and like see our previous episodes that we've also talked about it so yeah, basically, I think just like what the store story has talked about, like for those people who believe in indigenous knowledge systems, um, their ghosts, you know, and these spiritual things are just as real as atoms and particles are to a modern man. So, yeah, I, like what we previously talked about, I think just really keep an open mind to different theories and different belief systems by other people. And, you know, we've been talking about, you know, natural sciences. Um, however, I think in, it, it, this can definitely apply to different fields as well. Um, even in the 21st century, you know, we, we see that many of us have very beliefs, very different belief systems on how we, we view the world. And like the perfect example is possibly politics, you know, among different communities. We see that people have become like, you know, very strong and dogmatic with their opinions. And I think there are cases where some people think that their thoughts are more superior. I'm not going to state which communities I think, but yeah, I mean, this can definitely apply to everyone, right? Like every single community, I think we all believe that we got the right knowledge system. We have the right views on politics. Um, however, why do some people think like certain beliefs are stupid and 
some things that aren't because all of them are just in our minds and they're all kind of based on our not just you know related to the theory of idealism but also phenomenalism like a lot of things that we believe especially in politics a lot of them possibly derive from our personal experiences so yeah um i just personally think that you know this short story even though it mainly focuses on you know natural sciences which is somewhat regarded as one of the ones that is more objective um ways of knowing uh, no areas of knowledge however i think in so many different fields we can also see that you know there's definitely different rooms for us to discover more and to be open-minded to other different ideas so yeah that's kind of like our first um point of discussion uh, for this short story and i think the second possible point that we can discuss about is you know just now we spent a lot of time talking about how the modern natural science is the belief system that has more power and is redeemed to be more reliable and hence holds more truth um so and that story it also explains why most of us subscribe to the modern natural science that we know of and made an extremely bold claim when in the short story when another character asks the speaker why does everyone believe in the laws of science the speaker actually compares modern education with mass hypnosis <laughs> so basically he talks about how we believe in science because we're taught that it is right so <laughs> Yeah, Joshua, what do you think about that statement? You know, comparing modern education with mass hypnosis. I think in the previous episode I did mention about I do think like science, natural science, it it holds more power because it's very useful and it has helped our society progress so much more, but you know, comparing modern education with mass hypnosis, it's what do you think about that? I think it, it reminds me of this um discussion we have in history lesson of which we debated on the definition of indoctrination. So what constitutes mm. indoctrination? What is, you know, the idea of brainwash? We always use this term nowadays, but what does mm. it actually mean? So um to a lot of people they would think that it's a form of education where um the educator will push a certain agenda onto the um educatees like the, the person receiving mm. the education. But um I, if you think, I think in 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 the in terms of TOK, um, I think um it brings out another point is that to what extent when we're when they're talking about like science or they're talking about these really fixed way of knowing or these so called knowledge mm-hmm. that we're we can't be a hundred percent sure of, to what extent does that also constitute as a form of as you said mass hypnosis or indoctrination of which we are led to believe that these are truths despite we mm-hmm. don't have absolute certainty in, and. To what extent can education exist, um, coexist with uncertainty? So, you know, as we have mentioned in earlier episodes, um, we can't be certain of absolutely everything because the only thing that we can really be certain of is the existence of our minds, and that's not really, mm-hmm. you know, that only forms a really little part of our, you know, system of knowledge. So, to what extent does um, education um, can coexist with this uncertainty and? To what extent can we be uncomfortable with this uncertainty and to mm. um, be certain of um, the knowledge that we hold? So I think um, there, this is definitely a very contentious issue. And personally speaking, I tend to um, I tend to be more uh, to have a more um, 
open minds approach to it in the sense mm -hmm. that um despite um it's very important for us to you know gain um our um to gain knowledge and in the conventional sense um in terms of science mathematics um literature humanities and so, and so on i think uh, we should always um keep an eye out for um the limitations of these knowledge and especially when we're trying to apply these knowledge to like real life scenarios for example in um medicine or in when we talk about um for example um law or like other um, real life applications it's very important to keep these limitations in mind so to not um, create some fatal mistakes in um or, or to or so so not to um buy into some of the um flawed or um logical fallacies so so to speak so um responding to your question i think um it is very um despite it's despite um which is you know i'm not telling um people to not go to schools <laughs> or to completely reject our current educational system i think they they must at least acknowledge there are limitations to it and must always keep an eye out mm. for potential um disparities with you know um what they view as reality yeah absolutely like speaking of the education system i believe we can make a whole episode just talking about it yeah <laughs> i think yeah, yeah i mean i i don't think it's always trash i think as we will be so privileged to say that education is trash like you know there are people who want to have it and they can't don't have even to have that opportunity but there is definitely flaws in our education system and i i personally my response to this question is like i feel like mass hypnosis is kind of making you unable to really think or have a mind on your own um it kind of like a lot of you know cults as well and i think education the main purpose of it is really to allow to train you know how to think independently and hopefully that's what we're doing in our podcast so yes so anyway we can definitely talk about the you know match flaws of education and how we think about this in the future but yeah, I think a very interesting point that this one has made is like, we believe in science because we are taught that it is right. It kind of relates to a point which I've raised in episode zero uh, about astrology. Uh, you know, it's like absolute opposites of science. And you know, my mom, um, she really likes to buy crystals and their energy. And uh, we are not like, you know, hardcore into this. I would believe this, but we think it's interesting. So that's why we are like, buying crystals and like you know and apparently like you know different crystals they have different energy there's some like transparent or white crystals apparently it's for concentration and there's pink ones that are for you know romance and love there's blue ones that are for communication and you know interesting thing when i have the white crystal bracelet on which my mom told me is about concentration i feel more concentrated it might be the effect of the crystal itself or my just my psychological you know thing that i <laughs> yeah basically you know whatever um and yeah i remember one time i was playing it around the crystals with my my friends and then we, and this is what my mom taught us. Like, you can put the crystal bracelet on your palm between your two hands, and you move your upper hand in a circular motion, and you can like really kind of feel some sort of movement, some sort of like, you know, energy magnetic field of the crystals. Once again, it can be completely imaginary, but I just feel like I felt something, 
And you know, the thing is, we're kind of more skeptical towards you know astrology or these kind of crystal things,、um, because like there's lack of proof that there are any spiritual things or something. You know, you know, people just think, oh, it's it's illogical. It's there's no proof that this is real. And however, when you see like a lot of people. You know that they kind of go to psychic readings, and they possibly have discovered like a new side of themselves, or people who they cared about pass away, and they have a, you know, connection with them, and they get a sense of closure and healing. Or when I was wearing the bracelet, I really feel like I was more concentrating. You know, you know, I I think some examples of the psychic one is from like a Try Guys video where they're meeting Tyler the medium.、Um, so. The guys were initially quite skeptical, but afterwards they feel like they really have a connection with the family me- members that have passed away. And I guess regardless of whether this psychic thing is real or not, I guess the emotional connection must have been very important for these people who went to these readings. And possibly that's one of the powers of astrology, which is to kind of give them a new outlook on life. And honestly, it can be really fun. And honestly, this really made me think like. Do we kind of judge astrology more because it's somewhat regarded as a witchcraft, and you know witchcraft we relate it to like a woman's field, and hence it's less valuable, for the society, or do we really, you know, believe in something because it has an actual solid proof, like if astrology has no real scientific proofs, then it's regarded as less valid or powerful. So this. Somewhat brings me to this whole patriarchal society idea, because you know science is like a men's field. It was dominated by men, and hence it pulls more sway. But for something like that, like astrology, which you know is somewhat regarded as previously the witches do it, it's spiritual, or it only has a connection with the emotional aspect of a person, then it's somewhat regarded as less valid and powerful. So yeah, Joshua, what do you think about our views on you know these ideas and potentially how do you think this this may relate to the society that we're living in, which affects how we view different fields and see them as see them with a more skeptical perspective or not? I think、um, ultimately, what COK teaches us is that we must always keep a、um, open mind to、um, mm-hmm. all these different types of、um, ideas.、Um, So as as we've gone through like this、um, in this episode, I know we 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 may sound very、um, anti science, so to speak.、Um, we seem like we're you know poking flaws in a system that、um, you know scientists and you know,、um, and people in history has spent years and decades trying to perfect. But it is not our intention. We're not trying to bring down the entire scientific system or the entire educational system, but we're simply、yeah. trying to point out that、um, these. Things that people seems to、um, think is a given, so it, they think that oh, scientific is reliable. That's a given fact. That is a、um, you know that、mm. seems to form the new the new truth in our secular society today. But we're just trying to、um, say that、um, there is other perspectives that. Could argue that、um, these truths may not be as reliable as we think, and complete disregarding these. Um, kind of limitations will be unrealistic, and also、uh, it won't do the it won't do the system justice. So we're just trying to、um, provide another point of view, and 
I, I would like to point out the idea that um the the mass hypnosis uh, the the idea of a mass hypnosis kind of also points out the idea of public good versus um mm. the respect for individuality so um if we look at the history of education education really came into as a field of study in victorian england when um people started to um well, it started from the middle class trying to promote um, to increase the overall quality of humanity and society mm-hmm. by trying to raise moral standards and also trying to raise the literacy rate within the country. So um, we can see that you know the standardization of education is not a bad thing initially. They're trying to create a standardized system uh, to benefit the public good equally across um, society. But um, as you know, education evolve and so on. Uh, we start to see um, some limitations and some um, shortcomings of it in the sense that mm-hmm. these kind of standardization also presents itself as kind of rigidity in ossifying people's thoughts and people's stance. And we, we see a lot of problems today in terms of, you know, people being really stubborn and really um, determined, determined to prove that they're right um, mm-hmm. based on these um, standardized education and based on these um, uh, these uh, educational systems that is, has been set in place long ago. So um, mm. I think um, in recent years, we have a newfound respect for individuality of which um, we start to appreciate and as well as acknowledge um, that other points of view exist in the world. And a, a truth can be multifaceted. It does not mm. present itself in one form, but rather it could, you know, um, different fields or different beliefs could have some uh, could have some um, resemblance um, of truth in itself, and also um, provides um, a persuasive argument in its own right. Mm. So, um, I, I I believe that um, education itself is not inherently bad. It's just that it, it does, as of all things, it has its advantages as well as its shortcomings, and. Um, as we have you mentioned, like um, uh, in recent years, there's like the anti-fax movement, and also like the mm. um, um, like as you, like flat earth earthers and all that kind of things. So um, I think you know culturally speaking, there is um a discussion regarding um to what extent should we allow individuality and to what extent should we respect the opinion of others if that opinion could affect the well-beings of those around you know, the, the person. So um, as we've yeah. mentioned before, there are like cults that um, that perhaps perpetuate harmful ideas such as mass mm. suicide or um, perhaps, you know, some cults uh, may per, uh, promote um, human sacrifice. These really, these, uh, these kind of ideas that are morally f- frowned upon. So to what extent do we respect their culture and do we, and to what extent do we say as a modern society that these kinds of behavior have to stop and we must, you know, pro- pro- uh, protect um, the people involved in these kind of um, harmful thinking. I think this is a, you know, there's no correct answer and the line is very blurry. And I think it leaves a lot of room for discussion in this sense. Yeah, that's exactly right. So yeah, like, I guess just once again, one last disclaimer is that we're really not saying that you shouldn't believe in science. But we really do hope that you can keep an open mind on ideas that, you know, seem to be absurd to you at first glance and know that these different, you know, areas of knowledge can coexist together and you don't have to, you know, see them, oh, this clearly has a clash, hence the other one is wrong. Like, you don't have to really see the world in that particular way. 
And really to respond to what you mentioned about you know, anti-vaxxers or flat earthers is honestly, we've been talking about we should keep an open mind on things, but like, yeah, to what extent should we keep an open mind to other things when we have people like anti-vaxxers, you know, flat earthers believing in things that are clearly wrong, you know, and are clearly harmful as well, like the cults that you just mentioned about. And um, and also, I, I think for me personally, the, there's this fine line where between um, where should we draw that line between respecting a culture that we, we think is kind of inhumane or unethical and where should we step in to stop them and prevent this from happening? Like respecting cultures versus our own morals standards. So I guess I got two examples that I think we can possibly talk about. Uh, the first one is, you know, in the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, there's a lot of people, this whole huge value of individuality and a lot of Western cultures and made them like, you know, reluctant to wear a mask. And, you know, there are many people that are have died because of this no mask culture and people got infected with COVID. However, I think the world just thinks it's quite all right. However, in some cultures where child marriage is allowed and is deemed to be ethical and is, you know, part of their lifestyle and culture. And, you know, to what extent should we intervene with it and protect these young girls? And, you know, to, to what extent should we just kind of do nothing about it because it's part of their culture? This actually reminds me of like a short story, a short story collection by called Stories of the Sahara by San Mao. And basically, she went to Sahara and then she witnessed, you know, child marriage. And she chose to respect the culture. Um, however, in her story, she expressed her disagreement towards this practice. So she thinks this practice is unethical. However, she still chose to respect it. So, yeah, like, Joshua, what do you think about where should we draw the line between respecting a culture versus stepping in because we believe is immoral? To me personally, I think the bottom line is that um, humans, human rights and also like the um, well-being of the individuals involved has to be prioritized. I think practices that actively harm individuals and actively causes harm to their uh, physical or mental well-being should be um, discouraged at least or, or try, trying to put a stop to it. But um, I realize that um, this stance is very uh, contentious on its own because um, as you've said, um, as like in the a lot of um, modern commentaries by um, China has said that um, we shouldn't um, put, we shouldn't use human rights as an excuse to kind of um, mm -hmm. overlap the rights of um, other countries or certain communities. And certainly human rights is itself in itself a very, um, a very volatile and fallible um, definition mm -hmm. because there is no concrete definition of what you know, what constitutes as human rights. Um, human rights in one culture may differ from, from another. And again, what right do we have to impose our version of human rights on the on other communities? So I think um, this is definitely a very um, 
an area that has no solid answer and open up for open for discussion but personal speaking from how i was brought up and my my um perception of reality is that um i don't i don't think that practices that actively harms the mental and psychological well-being of others should be allowed at least in the civilized or modern society that we live in today right yeah i mean that's totally right especially point on like human rights itself because yeah in my ethical course in uh, university we talk about right-based ethical theories which is proposed by john locke that humans we are born with inseparable human rights but like what are those rights in, in different cultures those rights are very different so going back to child marriage yeah are we really standing in the high ground of like moral standards and you know judging others culture for child marriage so personally i also disagree with child marriage i think it is wrong however like what san mal did i think if i ever witnessed it i will possibly choose to respect their culture and it definitely happened in Hong Kong as well. I think, you know, Chinese lessons in IB, like we were talking about their ethnic minority communities in Hong Kong, which a young girl possibly just somewhat just disappeared in the class and because like her family arranged marriage for her, but then she's only like 13 or something. Yeah, I think it's definitely up for debate. Like how do we draw that line between whether we should say something or whether we should just kind of respect it and it also depends on different cultures kind of like we, we, I think we, we tend to and like in this world that's quite western centric like I think we tend to be more judgy and skeptical towards cultures that are non-western and then we think that ours the western one is the right one that we should all go in a line for that so yeah I, I feel like this is definitely an interesting discussion and I think there's no right or wrong to this question. And yeah, so for our entire podcast, we just kind of want to let you know that there isn't, in our discussion idealism, that there isn't an absolute right or absolute wrong in anything. And then we should always keep an open mind to ideas that we think are kind of absurd at the first glance and try to understand this and discuss about it. However, you can also have your own judgments and your own standards on where you draw the line between keeping open-minded and really just saying that this behavior is wrong, this is morally wrong, I'm not going to agree with you on this. I think all of us possibly have very, very different interpretations on that. And yeah, I guess this is what this episode is about. So some recommended literature things that I think you guys can check out is first of all, of course, The Matrix and then The Ghost Short Story and Stories of Sahara by Sam Mao. And I also have one which is called The Egg by Andy Weir. Where? Anyway, I'll put that in the description. It's not included in the podcast, but I think it's a quite an interesting story. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to your podcast and we'll see you next time on The Uncommon Senses.